Eric Lorber is the editor of Rain Taxi, which is a quarterly literary journal based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome to the Bibliophile. Thanks, Nigel. Once again. <laughs> yeah, I should probably add that just because it's a sector that people who aren't in Minneapolis don't know as much, but the other sort of half of my job is producing literary events here in the Twin Cities. And those range from uh, small poetry readings to large events with major authors to an annual uh, book festival called the Twin Cities Book Festival. And that attracts over 6,000 people every year So for a one-day event. So, so you got your plate full. Yeah, but whether it's through the magazine or through the events, the goal is the same, really, which is to increase the visibility of literary writing and authors and publishers. In the print form, did you mention? Uh, or, or just, is it print, print is, is of interest to you, right? Right. One of our core values is being uh, focused on print and championing the culture of print books. That's not to say we're averse to exciting things happening online or digitally or hypertext or any other media, but it's not our core focus. What we believe in is the tradition of the book and the vitality of that magic between the book and the reader. So that is our core focus. And it's definitely exemplified in not only in the selection of things we review and the attention we focus on our events, but we also produce our own chapbooks and broadsides. And that's another way we stay connected to the materiality of what it is to put something into print and the effort and the vision that that takes. So, mm -hmm. um, Why do you have this mandate? Partly because we believe that it is culturally important. We also perceive that it is, I don't want to be dramatic, I don't want to say under attack or anything like mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. but it is being devalued in contemporary society. Uh, our society right now is very fixated on screens and on devices uh, in all ways. And, of course, that's fine in many ways. It's progress in many ways. Uh, it's unavoidable in many ways. But I think that we're at risk of forgetting that this more ancient technology of the printed book has its own values and uniqueness and attributes that we would be impoverished as a society if we left that behind. So that's the, that perception of current society and the belief that it's uh, important to fight for this is what um, led us to assume this as one of the main emphases of our work. And, and how was, how was, the, uh, was Rain Taxi uh, formed in the first place? Uh, well, we've been around since 1996. Um, so 23 years, unbelievably. Uh, it was formed because, uh, as you probably remember, in the mid-90s was maybe one of the first shockwaves of the coming <laughs> culture that was happening. For example, that's when Amazon started. Mm -hmm. But at the time, also, the, the sort of strange thing happening in the book community was the incredible expansion of chain bookstores. And... A whole related slew of events 
a lot of which are, you know, sort of behind the scenes to the average reader, but how tax laws affected, how books are distributed, for example, and the various economics that affected how independent bookstores are able to compete with chain bookstores, various things like that. And and the culture of the bestseller, too. That was when uh, it became very common to see giant window displays with you know, hundreds of uh, uh, copies of a single book, mm-hmm. you know, in the shape of a swan or something in a window. And you and it When was, did Harry Potter sort of kick in? Yeah, that was uh, a tiny bit later, um, mm. but certainly uh, was a, a part of that. It exemplified that. Of course, we're not against bestsellers. We're not against, you know, no. there's no problem with that, except that our perception was that it took attention away, again, from what we perceive as something of value, which is the smaller work of literature that doesn't have a wide mainstream audience, but that has the potential to add something to uh, literature and to gain a following and to become culturally important. I always think of, you know, Ernest Hemingway, first book is printed by Virginia Woolf in an edition of 400 copies. Things that become household names start very small, mm. and they don't start as bestsellers. So we just felt it was important to create a vehicle that would discuss those things that were increasingly under the radar. And so was it uh, with some philanthropists or uh, foundations, or who was it? Yeah. That, uh... Well, we are a nonprofit organization, which means we depend on philanthropists, grants, uh, individuals donating money, sponsors for events, uh, and so forth. And it was tough in the beginning. We were just, you know, young upstarts with a vision, but no capital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, slowly we were able to attract uh, the kind of funding that we needed and to convince those funders that the work we were doing had um, had a place. And I think for many it is sort of logical once they learn about our industry and that, oh, okay, you have... A writer writes a book, a publisher publishes a book, but if there isn't anyone paying attention to it, then it's at risk. And so that's mm-hmm. where we come in as sort of as part of that ecosystem. So that would explain the kind of books that you choose to review in the in Rain Taxi then as in, in large part. Exactly. We review a lot of emerging writers, we review a lot of small press publishers, uh, we uh, review a lot of books, uh, even by esteemed authors in a niche, but who aren't mainstream, well-known names in the in the bigger culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it's that belief that the small is is valuable. And well, it's just a kind of an incubator too to, for a lot of these uh, authors, I imagine. Yeah, it yeah. it certainly might be. No, no one begrudges anyone sort of moving up <laughs> yeah. into a wider audience, you know, and having their their art be seen by more people. Yeah, that's fantastic. But it doesn't. If that doesn't happen, it doesn't mean that it's not um, of some merit and mm. some value. Does the magazine uh, still go out to all sorts of independent bookstores across the United States? Yes. Uh, it's still available in about, a, I think, about 180 independent bookstores. Free? It's free for, yeah. for um, while it's there for the lucky customers who get it. Uh, it's also available by uh, subscription. 
and all over the world uh happily we have readers um interested in it mm-hmm. and then it also appears now and then at various literary conferences and festivals and events that uh where there might be an audience interested in in this kind of literature so it's a little bit samizdat in a, in that way a mm-hmm. little bit grassroots again it's the distribution method kind of melds with uh, the concept in general of we're not going to be the kind of mainstream magazine somebody buys off the shelf next to, you know, Time or People or uh, I don't even know if those are still publishing. <laughs> so many magazines have uh, gone away, which is a scary thing when you make a magazine. But again, we're we're more than a magazine, you know, and in that sense, we're not exactly a magazine. We're we're a, a thing with a mission that makes a magazine. So we just find these sort of alternative ways to get it to the people. We also have a very large repository of stuff on our website that is completely different from what's in the print magazine. It's sort of almost a uh, overflow valve for uh, how many, you know, we can't fit everything into print. So each quarter we produce a lot of uh, reviews and interviews online. Mm-hmm. And those have an exciting life as well uh, and, a, and a permanent life digitally. So there's sort of two different ways people can uh, read the material that we're putting out. You're located in Minneapolis, uh, so I assume that's where your various uh, readings and book fair actual physical events take place or, or not? Yes, uh, in uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul, uh, which are together known as the Twin Cities. Yeah, in those in those Twin Cities are about 15 independent bookstores, which is a very healthy <laughs> amount for an area this size, uh, as well as, of course, many used bookstores and publishers and uh, activity of all kinds. So this really is a, a, a great region for uh, literature, one that really values it and, and mm-hmm. enjoys it. I know that you've got three really well-known and well-regarded uh, literary uh, presses. You've got uh, uh, Milkweed, uh, Coffee House, and Grey uh, Wolf. Correct, yeah. And they're, they seem to, particularly Grey Wolf, they seem to be winning awards quite frequently. Absolutely. They're, as you say, they're three of the most prominent presses in the United States, mm-hmm. and they're based here in our, our hometown. But as well, there's that's just the tip of the iceberg, or the most visible uh, part maybe to the average person. Uh, but for example, at our book festival annually, we have over 140 vendors, many of whom are publishers of all kinds with mm-hmm. all different focuses and missions and you know things they're producing. Uh, and it's staggering when you gather them all in one room, as we do, to, <clears throat> to see and appreciate uh, the great range. So again, even though it's on a smaller scale, it's not. <laughs> it's not just the big three that mm-hmm. are uh, that are the focus, but mm-hmm. uh, but just the incredible range of uh, of uh, producers. A lot of children's book uh, producers, for example, um, and presses or activities focused on uh, writing writers of color or emerging writers or again any anything you can think of. Is happening, and I think 
that's a real tribute to a community that is mutually supportive and that has a fire of encouragement to do this work, to become involved. I would say that's a, that's a great characteristic of the Twin Cities. They're very uh, literary then. Yes, yeah, but even if it's not literary per se, I think there is a value of, uh, of the book that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, um, that carries through. But yes, it's, uh, I think really it's a, it's a book reading community. Maybe the weather has something to do with it. <laughs> Especially um, today. Yeah. <laughs> it's rainy and slushy yeah. and... Yeah. yeah, miserable. Yeah, so, and then we do, we actually do that book festival at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds, which is in a very unusual place for a book event. Uh, but we rent two giant buildings um, that are normally, you know, used for state fair activities. Uh, we just sort of outfit them with pipe and drape technology tables stages and uh and produce the whole uh thing there so it's a lot of fun it's a it's a little bit of a whimsical spot for it but it's uh it's one of the few really large spaces that um that is accommodating uh for such a large event and we didn't want to be in you know for example a hotel or a conference center it wouldn't be the right feel but then in addition to, you know, a sort of that monumental, it's like throwing a wedding every year. It's just so gigantic. But then uh, throughout the year, we'll do totally different things. Um, and so, for example, in this in this past year, uh, sort of on the uh, bigger side, we've had an amazing event with Michael Andache uh, in conversation with Louise Erdrich, who, who lives here. And, here yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that is a... Um, you know, that was just a, a blockbuster. Uh, over 600 people came to that. But at the same time, or in the same month, we had a, a poetry reading with a non-speaking autistic poet. A totally magical and interesting event, for, uh, but much smaller. Uh, not someone who's well-known yet, but someone we thought was important to put in front of an audience and let people experience... This is also literature. So we do these these events in various spaces. We don't have our own building or performance space. And uh, while that creates some logistical problems, it's also a benefit because it pushes us out into the community and it lets us work with people in the community to, for the common good. And that's really exciting. How do you uh, find, say, compared to 10 years ago, What's the level of interest like? Insane? Greater? That's an interesting question because the perception and probably even the statistics are being skewed by technology. For example, by the fact that podcasts and webcasts and so forth make certain things accessible in a different way. So we might actually have smaller attendance at certain events than maybe 10 years ago. But I don't think that means there's less interest. I think it means actually that there's more interest. It's just that people are choosing different channels to get the same uh, dose of things they they want. Um, we all know, for example, that one of the most common attributes of books is that they're shared. They're shared in libraries. Mm-hmm. They're shared by friends. They're given as gifts. They're so forth. And again, this sort of skews the perception. We don't just have a one-to-one count mm-hmm. of 
how many people liked that book. Uh, I think it's great. I think it's a great thing. It's, it's numerically a frustrating thing. Mm. But I think it's one aspect of the book culture that teaches us numbers aren't everything. Mm. Uh, the experience is what matters. And creating that experience for other people is what we're ultimately about, not the number of people. But that said, another thing, for example, is that uh, I think you could measure the number, the level of interest as greater in the sense that, as I said earlier, there are so many producers more and more getting into the field and getting excited at any level. Uh, and so, for example, we post on our website a page called the Twin Cities Literary Calendar. What this does is we list everyone's literary events in all the cities. So uh, it doesn't matter whether it's ours or whether it's a publisher's or whether it's a bookstore's. Uh, if it's something a person could attend to hear an author, we list it. And it's very interesting because uh, you'll see sometimes, wow, there are 15 events happening <laughs> on one night. You right. know? And it's like, oh, well, you know, George Saunders is appearing here, but in another place, uh, Ann Carson is reading, you know, or it's just sort of crazy. And then, of course, you know, many local authors, many authors of all kinds, mystery writers, children's writers. Uh, but it's just sort of staggering to have this grid to actually see, oh, here's the real story. And it's very exciting. When did the but, calendar kick off? Uh, we started that, I think, about uh, four years ago, maybe. Yeah. Okay, so it's yeah. not that long ago. Um, yeah, I'm bad with time it's mm, yeah. <laughs> uh could be longer but um um it's a fun tribute to activity obviously it's a service to it's a to service. community exactly time. and again yeah. that's one of our being service oriented is um a value for us uh we want what we do to be useful mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. it's not it's not an academic exercise for us these whether it's the reviews or the events, or a service like the calendar, we want this to have a real effect on people. <laughs> That's what it's for. Yeah, uh, yeah. There is now a annual independent bookstore day, which allows the independent bookstores to sort of trumpet what they're doing, and um, they have special sales and special events and so forth. And it just calls attention to and celebrates uh, what they're doing, mm -hmm. and we have gotten involved in that by producing a uh, a little passport that has information about all the independent bookstores here in the Twin Cities, and uh, just supporting this initiative uh, in that community way. Um, is that so, a national day, by the way? Uh, it is, yeah. It's, when uh, is it? It's a different day every year, but I believe it's always in um, April. Okay. Uh, Maybe Shakespeare's uh, birthday, the 23rd. <laughs> I well, know. I think they choose a certain Saturday to make, you know, it, make sure that people can actually go to the stores. But it's fantastic. And again, it's sort of a uh, an activity or, or I would almost say an activation of our values to um, encourage people to get out there and, and support their bookstores. So it, it really does sound like you're serving as a kind of a catalyst for encouraging this culture of uh, reading and and the book. I just wonder if anyone has uh, anyone else in the, in the states has approached you to try and 
reproduce your model in some way? Or are there others out there doing similar things? I think that's one of those things that's both yes and no. To an extent, there's probably something uh, unique about what we're doing in the same way that, for example, even though the three big publishers based here that you named earlier are all publishing literary material, they all have a unique uh, perspective. So one house's novel or book of poetry is going to be feel different than someone else's, even though they they might sort of come from the same space. So, mm. uh, so I hope there's a unique artistry in what we're doing in both the blend and the execution. But that said, yeah, I'd be thrilled if I think it's the case that maybe we've helped motivate or encourage others to do similar things as we ourselves were motivated and encouraged by positive things we saw. I can tell you that uh, we get a couple of calls a year from other cities about uh, how to do the calendar um, because they're interested in that. And oddly, it seems like a unique resource, like like other cities don't have uh, anyone doing that. From my experience, it's kind of hit-miss. Mm-hmm. Some cities do, and it's you know it's developed through through a magazine or the daily newspaper or I mean newspapers are doing it, but the reason we started doing it was we realized that because that's not their main job they they were hit and miss in what they were able to list mm-hmm. um, also probably space is a serious concern as they should newspapers list all arts activities in their area but by definition they give more attention to the bigger splashier ones and so forth and so again we just thought oh it what's needed is a literature focused organization mm-hmm. to take up the mantle of focusing on these specific kinds of events we started it because i was finding i was missing readings i didn't know about yeah, yeah, i wasn't yeah. getting the information and i yeah. thought if even i who is very plugged in yeah. to the literary scene here, is am not hearing about something, then there's a defect in the system. What about, uh, just finally, what about the future? Have you, um, have you achieved the, the goals that you'd set out early on in the organization's life, or uh, have you still got a ways to go? The, the particular goals we have are not ones that one can say, oh, now we've succeeded at yeah. that. It's kind of a work in progress, is it? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the effort to champion aesthetically adventurous literature, to bring attention to marginalized writers, to f- focus on print culture and works of merit, artistic merit, all of that is not, you don't finish that project. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it, it keeps going. We've, had, we've certainly had successes. We celebrate those successes. Every time a reader is motivated to get interested in a book, we feel that's a success, you know. And, but it doesn't mean we can stop. Uh, I always said, if the world develops to the point where there's going to be poetry reviews and every day in the paper <laughs> then, then we can probably stop then the then the culture has changed enough and I could you know I could sort of imagine that world somebody showed me a newspaper this was ugh, probably 15 years ago uh, from France and on the front page was the beginning of a story that said 
Paul Oster has published a new novel. <laughs> and I just thought, this is crazy, but this is front page news. Mm, but mm, it's beautiful. Like, mm. that would be that would be a very interesting society in which thought uh, the, the newspaper thought that was interesting, in mm. a, you know, if we could do that in a consistent way, you know. Well, um, the government so, over there puts in a, a fixed price for books that, so that you can't sell them for under a certain amount. Uh, right, so, so right. big stores and small stores are on the same level. So we don't, although they're closing uh, for a variety of different reasons, they're not closing at the same rate they are over here. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think... And I think, uh, actually, independents are... I've seen a couple of reports that show that there there's a bit of an upswing in the last year or so with independent bookstores here in North America. I don't know if you've seen that, but anything in particular you're working on for the next year, or it's the same kind of it's the same suite of uh, activities that you're you've been yes. involved with each year. It's the same suite of activities, although I will say that um, your question about the future comes at a good time we next year will be our 24th year so I think we will be asking ourselves as an organization uh, what should our 25th year be like and what should should there be any change in our in our ideas or our platform it's that's the right time to ask that um, we're all grown up now you know yeah. so, uh, so I think we'll be spending some time trying to digest some of these uh, big picture questions and see if uh, anything has changed enough since when we started uh, over two decades ago to warrant um, uh, any change in our practices. Uh, because as I say, we want to be responsive, we want to be practical, we want to be relevant. Um, and, uh, uh, and if that means adapting, then we want to adapt. So, so we'll be asking ourselves that. Uh, and come back and help us ask it. <laughs> I'm very happy to do so. I always love coming here, uh, Eric. Well, thanks yeah. for uh, for that. It's uh, it's great to hear that you're still actively uh, uh, promoting uh, literature and and the book. It's something that we uh, I have been doing for years, and uh, it's just such a fascinating. Uh, uh, endeavor to be involved with. So. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you, Nigel. I agree. <laughs> Kindred <Okay>. spirits. <laughs> Eric Lorber, who's the editor of Rain Taxi. Do you have anything else in your title? I'm also the executive director of the nonprofit organization Rain Taxi that sort of administers all the various programs that we've been talking about. And your website uh, is? Uh, raintaxi.org. Very good. Yeah. Thanks again. Thank you.